You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. I'm going to need some offices to visit y'all, so you should probably send those over. Um, you know, it is The Athletic Wisconsin, so there are still plenty of offices to visit. So, you know, you just shoot those over to me. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, do you know if there's room for a banner in Pfizer Forum? I don't know. I mean, I was going to say we, we need to change the title to uh, Locked On Offensive Juggernauts uh, because <laughs> uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, it's Saturday morning, um, and the Milwaukee Bucks just, uh, many people probably weren't paying attention because there was a, a Brewer playoff game last night. Thankfully, they won. Um, but the Milwaukee Bucks just dropped 143 points on the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, which it was pretty funny because the first few minutes of the game, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is like sort of like a still trying to figure some stuff out type game. They scored what? It was bad. Three points in the first like three and a half minutes. And then Giannis hit a three and, uh, the rest is, um, yeah, steamrolled history. I mean, uh, just an incredible offensive display last night from the Bucks hitting, what would match an, an NBA regular season record 25 three-point makes. Uh, we talk a lot about three-point attempts and how, you know, it's really just you want to focus on getting good looks. And then, you know, if you make a high percentage, great. Um, but you don't have to hit the highest percentage every night to, uh, to you know, space teams out and, and get benefit from that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess this is where you insert that, that, that gif of that little girl saying, why not both? Um, the Bucks take 48 threes, they make 25 um, contributions all over the place, but my word, Giannis Adetokounmpo just <laughs> just destroying poor Gorgie Jang and everyone else in his path with a 25 minute triple double. I mean, has the game ever looked easier for Giannis than it did last night? Um, no, no, it has not, and it is for like just so many ridiculous things to think about. Um, 48 threes would be a hypothetical team record, uh, which they broke. The, or which they said earlier this preseason with 45 threes against the Bulls, that would have been a hypothetical team record. So they hypothetically broke a hypothetical record in this game that they didn't really set because these aren't real games. But uh, yeah, the Bucks are going to shoot a whole bunch of threes. Uh, so that happened. Also, they scored 84 points in the first half. There were four games last year where they didn't score 84 for the game. Four games. They didn't score 84 for the game. They scored 84 in the first half last night. It, it It's just ridiculous. And uh, I mean, speaking to, has anything ever looked easier for Giannis? And no, it, it hasn't. And I mean, I will, I will allow the, the necessary qualifiers that it's preseason and it's against the Wolves who are, my God, just a, total disaster at the moment um and you know his other 
his other game at home where the Bucks looked really good offensively was against the Bulls. Uh, they looked good in the secret game. <laughs> and then also against the Thunder, they could have looked good, but they didn't play any of their starters. So um, anytime we've seen him play, it's looked very easy and good. And I mean, there, there's just so much damn space on the floor for him. There's just so much space out there and it's so obvious. And again, you know, maybe if Jimmy Butler plays, Jimmy Butler uh, takes a little bit of an exception to everything else is doing, plays physical with him, and maybe he doesn't go off like this, but I just find it incredible. Um, I had someone on Twitter last night talk about like, oh, you know, I had mentioned something about, you know, the defense. Uh, it's tough to know exactly how good they are. I think you said they're ninth in defensive rating at the moment during the preseason. Um, it's really difficult to know how good they are. And someone said, well, you know, it's clear that Mike Boonholzer is really spending a lot more time in the offense and the defense right now. And I told him, I was like, I disagree, man. It, Budenholzer is obsessive about the defense. Like if there's one thing they're working on, it's the defense. And I say that because when you look at the offense, it's simple, man. <laughs> like They're not doing any mind blowing, like on, on all the plays where Giannis really got loose last night, like there wasn't mind blowing stuff. They, they have those blue squares on the practice floor. They run in transition and they fill all of those spots. And I said it last night, but there's a, there was a moment where one of the drives Giannis got, Brooke Lopez was running right down the middle of the floor. He saw Giannis had the ball in his hands at the opposite three-point line. And instead of continuing down the middle of the floor and trying to post up and get early post position, he said, eh, I'm going to go out to the left corner. And he went out to the left corner, and lo and behold, he has real gravity. The defender went with him, and it opened up the middle of the floor for Giannis. And th- like that, that was two of his 32. That that was two that that was one of the thirteen for seventeen buckets he made last night. Like it, it's just like that's simple. That, that isn't anything complex. That isn't something Mike Boonholzer drew up in a timeout. That's just simple concepts that the Bucks are nailing right now. And I I will say I wrote about it at the Athletic Wisconsin earlier this week. But you know I. I included and embedded that tweet that I took of the the practice of the practice score with the blue squares on it just freeze just about any bucks possession at any time whether it's transition whether it's semi-transition whether it's the middle of the play you're probably going to see someone in in those five spots like they that is that is very clearly something that has been drilled into their brains that these are the five spots that we fill and it doesn't matter if you're Brooke Lopez, it doesn't matter if you're Dante DiVincenzo, it doesn't matter if you Matthew Delvadova, like this is what we do. We fill these five spots and then we play out of these five spots and it just looks very easy. Yeah, my uh, my wife turned to me at the end of the first half when they hit that last three to go to 84 points, Sterling Brown hitting that three. And she looks at me and I was thinking the exact same thing. My wife, the Rockets fan, looked at me and said, this is like watching the Rockets. Um, and, and it really was, you know, just you have Chris Herring said the exact same thing to me last night. He like looked at me. He's like, is this been what they've been doing the whole preseason? I was like, yeah, this is them. And he was like, oh, OK, I didn't know they were the Rockets. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some of this is obviously, uh, you know, the personnel they have, like Lopez and, and Ilyasova, obviously allowed them to do some different things. Um, relative to what they had last year. But by the same token, I mean, it's like, you know, from a spacing perspective, Jabari Parker shouldn't 
reduce your spacing any more than Arsenalia Silva yep. would, right? I mean, Jabari can shoot, shot a better percentage on threes last year. I mean, he, he can shoot threes. Um, you know, and Lopez on his own. I mean, again, Thon Maker was getting a lot of the minutes that Brook Lopez is getting right now. And obviously Thon isn't a bashful three-point shooter either. So I, I think those signings are, are going to be really valuable for the Bucks this year in terms of, you know, being able to play they want to play. And they're both really smart players. And I think certainly I'd say they are, smarter offensive players than than Jabari and and uh and Thon, you know, especially from a passing and just knowing where to be perspective. Absolutely. Um but you know just saying like well you couldn't shoot a lot of threes but the teams the Bucks have had the last few years. I mean like yep. we we've all known that's that's BS, right? Um and I, I tweeted, you know, how how hilarious it is that the Bucks, you know, we we talk about throughout the kid area, you know, we talk about Giannis in particular and Jabari in particular not being allowed to shoot threes, but just in general that not being prioritized. And then, you know, literally four games into the Mike Budenholzer era, they tie the NBA record for three pointers yeah. in the game. It's like, all right, that's not going to happen every night. And we'll see, you know, how much they, they actually end up shooting all year long. But clearly this is a much bigger priority. There's a much better freedom. Um, and it's obviously just you know, creating lots more opportunities for, for Giannis to find open guys. Um, you can tell he's having fun playing right now. I mean, uh, you know, when he just <laughs> murdered Gorgie Jang on a kind of Euro steppy lefty dunk and just gave him a stare down, got a technical. And then, you know, especially cause it's preseason, he was just kind of like laughing and like, like he was just like wooing after that. He, after he got the tech, he was yeah. just like wooing at his own bench. Cause he just didn't care. It was so fun. Um, and, and again, like, you know, the fact that you have Giannis really playing at sort of the height of his powers right now, I think it's per 36 numbers in the preseason, 35 points, 17 rebounds, eight assists per game, 70% true <laughs> shooting. I think he's ready for the regular season, guys. Um, he, he obviously looked tremendous. He had, um, a couple of pull-up threes again last night, then he missed his next three, um, but ends the preseason four out of 10 from three, which is obviously the, a higher volume, certainly higher percentage than, uh, than obviously we've, we've seen from before super small sample but you know again i think so much of the preseason just building kind of cohesiveness building kind of positive vibes with the team building confidence and obviously i think right now you have a team that is going to go into the regular season like brimming with confidence feeling really good about where they are and um yeah it was just a really fun game and i think probably one of the other big topics i'll, I'll pause here for a second but i think one of the things we certainly want to talk about is you know what we saw rotation wise last night because certainly one of the things we heard from mike budenholzer pregame was that this was going to be a sneak preview of you know just say what you want to say frank say it just say just talk about your guy that's what you want to talk about that's what you want to get to (laughs) that actually wasn't the first thing i was thinking about because i don't know i don't know how much i don't know how much my dude uh christian wood is actually going to play uh next wednesday um but um i mean again like it's a familiar refrain we talked about in preseason we talked about it over the past few weeks like every game that christian wood has a chance to play that at least that we can see um you know, we, we, we don't necessarily, uh, you know, see what he does in practice, but preseason or sorry, summer league showed up every game, put up numbers, all summer league team scrimmage probably had the best game along with ironically thought of anybody in the scrimmage. Uh, and then in this preseason, I mean, again, just game in and game out, even though he's not playing a huge role other than when he started against Oklahoma city guy just goes out and produces. I mean, last night, again, 19.7 rebounds and, you know, fairly limited action again, um, you know, there, there's nothing secret about Christian Wood right now. Uh, he's just out there <laughs> balling, taking his opportunity. And I mean, at this point, like, I, I mean, I, I joke, somebody tweeted at me like, you know, is, is, it, you know, is there any chance that Wood doesn't make the roster at this point? And I said, Christian Wood doesn't make the roster. We're riding, riding in the streets, my dude. I mean, like we're, we're I, like, 
we will not stand <laughs> for that. Like Christian Wood is making this team um, unless there's just, you know, a complete like lack of, I don't know, any, any positive uh, uh, adjective, I guess, uh, in, in the Bucks front office. Like, like you know, you, you found this guy, you gave him a two-year minimum contract that's not guaranteed. You, you're set up to really have like, you know, a, a little wild card guy that, could be actually a, a useful rotation piece, especially if you have some injuries to the front line. Um, this is this is a no brainer at this point. And again, that's nothing to sp- say nothing poorly about um, Tyler Zeller in particular, or even Tim Frazier. I think both guys have done you know about as well as you could have expected. But you know, for Wood just given he's a twenty three year old with a two year non guaranteed contract. I think you just have to roll the dice on that. So that was just another that he was sort of the well, I don't want to say the victory star because I mean he got in at the start of the second quarter, which was interesting, right? Because when that happened, I started to think. Okay, is that sort of the yep. Thon spot? And he's now taken Thon spot because um, we saw Henson and Lopez before that. It um, felt notable. Yeah, so he got in early. That was that was important. And Zeller didn't come in until I think midway through the fourth quarter. Um, so certainly, you know, with I think the media, you know, Jim Paschke, others have been pretty adamant saying like three guys, one spot, right? I know we've talked about how DJ Wilson has to, he really should be in that conversation, even though he has a guaranteed contract. Um, at least for the moment, it doesn't sound like Wilson's being discussed as a cut option. Um, certainly could be a, you know, send him someplace else via trade for nothing type option if there's a, a deal like that out there. Um, but at a minimum, you know, if it's, if it's Zeller, Frazier, and Wood, you just have to think it's Wood at this point, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I I said it at the time last night, but both Matt Velasquez and I kind of looked at each other and said, "Huh, Christian Woods coming in awfully early. Uh, if this is a dress rehearsal, um, well, that might say something." And I would agree that's probably the Thon spot. But with Thon out, you know, you had a pick between Wood or Zeller, and well, it, it ended up being Wood. And you mentioned when Zeller entered in the fourth quarter. By that point, Wood had already played ten minutes. He had already scored fourteen points. He had already grabbed six rebounds. Like he, he had already put his stamp on that game uh, before that that even happened. So, yeah, to me, it, if there was any doubt about whether or not the that Christian Wood would be making the roster like that to me kind of sealed it because Mike Boonholzer was so adamant throughout all of this that you know this was their dress rehearsal game this was the game that they kind of didn't necessarily want to get guys legs ready but like they wanted to play it pretty close to an actual game which became really difficult when they put up 84 points in the first half uh because you know if you lead by that much, you you probably let the starters have about two minutes at the the start of the third quarter, and then you take them out and put them on ice for the rest of the night. And instead, they played a little bit longer, and it got a little bit uncomfortable because you know you're always worried about injuries in times that they don't need to be out there. But uh, he had said after the game that it did make it you know a little bit awkward because they don't try to coach to time or score in the preseason, but it's kind of impossible for human nature not to take over to see your team up by, by all those points. And he's like, and we did, we wanted to try to get those guys minutes and get them some good run tonight. And you know, that made it a a little bit difficult, but uh, yeah, I I just think Christian Wood entering that game when he did uh, says a lot about what, 
what his spot is on the roster and ultimately that he's probably above Tyler Zeller. Like, yeah, I think that that is something that I feel pretty comfortable saying at this point, um, as far as how the organization might feel. I think, I think you were here about three weeks ago. I might've been here about a week ago. Um, but I think we're in a spot where that, that spot, is Christian Woods. Uh, and uh, I mean, I think that that can be an exciting thing that the Bucks do have someone um, with a, a little bit of upside there um, kind of at the end of the roster and uh, could fit in there. And I, I would agree. I'd, I know we saw that rumor from Keith Smith, I think it was yeah. um, about, about DJ Wilson, but I mean, it would, I mean, it would be quite a precedent to set. Let's say, like we ha- we haven't seen John Horse do that type of move, um, and obviously, as we've mentioned, like his mentor John Hammond kind of gave up on Joe Alexander after uh, I don't they didn't pick up his third year option, and then they traded him during his second season um, as part of the John Salmons deal. But you know that as f- does it does it feel likely? Eh, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would say. Um you know, horse did decline Vaughn's Rashad Vaughn's option for this year last fall. So a year ago, again, that was, you know, going into Vaughn's third year, not his second year. So a little bit different, but, um, you know, at least Horst had the common sense to certainly do that a year ago. And, um, again, kind of a similar situation now, right? You, you had a 17th overall pick in a draft. Uh, obviously horse was part of the team that, you know, that, that picked Vaughn as well. Um, and, uh, not that that was, I mean, it's not that similar, like it's a year earlier. Yeah, I know. But I mean, John horse, I mean, John horse has declined an option, right? He didn't cut Rashad Vaughn, which, you know, is sure. Um, but obviously he, he, he declined the option. And to me, that would be that that's the other piece of this. Like, I actually think, well, I'm trying to think if it's worse to not cut DJ Wilson or to not cut DJ Wilson and pick up his option. Mm, Cause it's like, it's kind of like it's sort of like one of these things like I think like the more commitments you make to DJ Wilson, the worse it is, given that you just don't see really a role for him. And, you know, Wood in particular has sort of like, you know, clearly taken, um, you know, any any semblance of role he might have in the in the short term. And they're the same age. And, you know, I mean, just watch these guys play like, what you know, what who, who's out here claiming DJ Wilson is, is a better prospect at this point. Um, but I, I think, you know, again, like if you. It's one thing if you keep DJ Wilson with the idea that like, hey, maybe you can like use him as like an expiring contract if you decline the option, because that's to me the important thing, decline the option in part just so he's an expiring contract. He doesn't come up against your cap next year um, and or, you know ne- the following summer. Um, but uh, man, I don't know. I mean, it, and it's interesting, right? I mean, really, you know, the other thing we haven't talked about, thankfully, is, you know, the Bucks get out of preseason without any major injuries. Fingers crossed, no more in, in practice here over the next few days. Um, you know, the only guys missing last night were, were Thon, who has some knee soreness, uh, Wilson, who obviously has the hamstring injury, and Trevon Duval, who has uh, an eye injury, which, you know, again, is good news in some ways because obviously you're, you're not missing any, any key rotation guys. Obviously, though, bad news for those guys specifically because, you know, DJ Wilson is, is basically on the sideline while other guys are, are out sort of taking his his role taking any chance he has at a role um making him obviously even more expendable than he was and you know Thon, he's not going to get cut i don't think he's going to get traded but i mean again like we talked about this during the summer like do we really think Bob maker is better at basketball than christian wood <laughs> like you know i mean certainly yeah. watching the last the last couple of weeks has only reiterated that you know while Thon has kind of a unique potential skill set um i mean 
Christian Wood was out there making threes the last couple games as well, right? He had two two last night, and I'm not saying he's a three point shooter. Yeah, but, um, let's chill. Let's chill, well, Frank. He, well, he's let's not, chill. Well, like well, he no, doesn't but, play defense. But, like he doesn't have a spot to defend. Does Thon have a spot to defend in a system that doesn't switch? No, but like we've seen that he can do that. Like there is a a world that exists that Thon can defend. Like there is not a world that we've seen that Christian Wood can defend yet. Uh, it just feels yeah. like your standom is getting in the way a little bit here where it's just like, oh, Christian Wood is immediately better than Thon Maker. Well, and we well, know no, this but, to be a fact. Well, but, well, but Thon Maker's terrible at basketball right now, right? I mean, he's had like five games where he's been good in two years, basically. And granted, they've been on like some of the biggest stages, which is incredible. Were those NBA games? Oh, they were NBA playoff games. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I know, but like... And when, when was Christian yeah, Wood Christian good? Christian Wood literally is like never. I mean, look at his like numbers. Like, I mean, he even, I mean, G League, he shot better at threes than Thon last year. I mean, it's the same line, right? Like nobody, nobody guarded Thon last year. Nobody guarded Thon last year. Sure. But when was he good? Was it an NBA game? Or like, a, a, has he, has he done this in an NBA game? Uh, he's done it basically in every NBA he's got a chance on, right? I mean, here's the thing. Thon Maker, if Thon Maker is a second round pick or undrafted, we would have never seen him make the floor. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I think to I think in a large extent, Thon and and these guys are like good examples of and, and this isn't to say that like Christian Wood is like going to be a really good NBA player. It's more just like we have a huge sample of Thon being bad. We don't we don't have really like any sample of Christian Wood at the NBA level being really anything. We've just seen sort of these like proxies for can you be a good player, which obviously isn't real NBA game action, obviously, because he's been playing in you know Vegas and, and preseason stuff like that. So there's no real guarantee, but it's just like. I mean, Thon might be older than Christian, <laughs> Christian Wood on top of that, uh, or at least they might be similar ages. Jesus, Frank. You're going to have to take my Thon slander. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's coming. I mean, uh, like, I'm fine with Thon slander. Like, uh, we both critiqued him, but like. <laughs> well, yeah, but you could say, but yeah, no, it's fine. No, like, uh, like, I just, uh, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I'm not here to crown Christian Wood. Like that's what I'll say. No, we don't. Like, we don't have to. We're just. We're just saying he's been. He's. He's beaten out bad NBA players for first like rotation, like just rotation roles. Basically, that's all we're saying. We're not saying Christian Wood is like going to be a valuable rotation player, but it's like, you know, Thon Maker. What have you done for me? You had like, sure two, two good games in a in a switch system that doesn't really exist right now. I mean, if you're going to roll out the ball tomorrow, I'm just saying you're not. You're like I'll take Wood over Thon Maker if you have to go play an NBA game tomorrow. I'm not saying that they're both either. Either is going to be great, but you know that's just kind of where we are. And again, I don't think Christian Wood. You really want, even necessarily want to have to rely on him at this point, right? Because you've got two power forwards. Um, but if you're going to have to rely on somebody, I'd rather rely on him than Thon Maker. Yeah, maybe. Again, I, I don't know. Like I, I just Christian Wood does things like like there's there's no way to take that from him. like he does he does end up scoring, but like I just don't. I don't yet see an impactful NBA player. Like I would, if I have to play him as my backup power forward, I'm terrified right now. Like that's a bad situation for me to be in. Cause I, I don't, I don't know what he does in like a real NBA game. And again, he can't, he, like, I understand he cannot, he can't do anything more than he's done. That's great. But like, I, I just want to chill a little bit on Christian Wood. Like he's the 15th man on the roster. Like, he's probably going to pick up DMPs. No, he's not. DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson's the fifteenth man on this roster. Fourteenth man on the roster. Like what? 
do you, does that make you feel better? The 14th man on the roster? Do you, do, I mean, there's other guys who might be even worse than him beyond that too, but whatever. I mean, Thon, he's again, I think he's like, if you have to roll out the ball tomorrow, I'd take Wood over Thon Maker. Um, but whatever. I mean, I agree. He's not like man. a regular rotation guy right now. Man, you are, you're surprising me, Frank. Um, that I want to talk about. Like, if you want to say, I'd, I'd rather take a guy who hasn't proven to be bad than a guy who has proven to be bad. Okay. Now, you, I guess you could say, like, well, well, DJ Wilson hasn't proven to be bad in, in an NBA game either. But, I mean, he was a terrible G League player, and he did very little in Summer League, too. So we don't really have anything positive to positively confirm DJ Wilson. So he's he's probably the worst of, of everybody for obviously. Sure. And like I, I guess the larger point I was trying to make is, like, I'm I'm not ready for Christian Wood, the rotation player, quite yet. Uh, but we have no, not. No, that's fine. But Thon, Maker, but Thon Maker shouldn't be a rotation player on this team. That That's really my 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 view. Right now, you have enough depth. Sean, that Thon Maker shouldn't be a rotation player. And it's fine. Like, I, like saying that that me saying Christian Wood is better than Thon Maker, saying that's crowning Christian Wood, like, come on, give me a break. Like, that's not that high a bar. But, I don't think no. either guy should be playing. Like, either guy, neither guy's rotation guy right now. I think they're, I was, they went really deep last night. But I think right now, yeah, Ursan and Giannis are your power forwards. You're fine there. You don't need to play anybody else unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah, it just felt like there was shitting on uh, Thon Maker when it's like, well, you know, like Christian Wood might not have a position in the NBA. Like, uh, like there, uh, to me, it just felt a, a little bit out of whack. Um, but that's okay. Um, uh, we've spent way too much time talking about Christian Wood. Uh, I want to talk about Giannis some more. So one thing that is really interesting i think this year can, is that can we crown Giannis? we can crown Giannis. i think at this point i think we can i think we can crown Giannis at this point uh because he's an mvp candidate and he's a starter and he's really good at basketball and it's very clear um so uh with with Giannis, i think one thing that's been really interesting as of late is that last year we never really saw him in the middle of the floor like that wasn't something he really got a chance to do a lot of. And to me, that just is something that really stands out this season when you watch him is that like he's in the middle of the floor all the time. Like the, the playmaking spots that Jason Kidd put him in were like largely like on the left wing. They were, and it was always in spots where it was like, okay, Giannis, you get this entire side of the floor. We're going to put the other four guys on your team on this side and you can go one-on-one and if help comes, you can make a pass. But like, if you're just thinking about the, the simple geometry behind all of that, like if two guys are on one side of the floor and eight guys are on the other side of the floor, those passing lanes are very difficult. Like it's, it's really difficult to be a great player in that situation. Like LeBron James does it. And that's great because LeBron James is one of the best passers in the history of basketball. Like, so he can do that, but it did always feel like that was kind of the situation that they put Giannis in. And we talked about his playmaking and, you know, like how he got better in those spots and uh, how he was able to improve and how he was starting to see more passes and uh, you know, how he tried to get to the middle of the floor. And we talked about like the hook shot and stuff like that. Like he's just in the middle of the floor all the time now. And it's easy. Like it's middle of the floor with one defender around him in space all over the place. And we, I had, I don't know, four or five people tech, or tweet at both you and me and be like, uh, Giannis's cool pass quota is going to go way up this year. And 
Yeah, it will just because it feels like he's always in the middle of the floor. There's always space and there always seems to be an open shooter. Like even on uh, in the first half, he had that spin move in like semi transition and he was able to finish it. And like Eric Bledsoe's help defender had come all the way into the middle of the floor. He was standing in the lane, but Giannis is such a freak show that it didn't matter. Like he finished an easy spin move layup. And Eric Bledsoe was standing wide open in the right-hand corner. And throughout the night, you would see Giannis kind of make that that kind of no-looky pass over to the shooter in that in that right wing, right corner spot. And like it's just kind of incredible to see uh, because it didn't really feel like we ever saw yeah, that last I'm, year. I'm actually more excited for the like Giannis easy, cheap assist uh, quotient to go up this year because – you know, <laughs> because it's like, you know, just uh, an offense that just puts guys on the on the on the on the three point line and, you know, basically creates movement and chaos for the defense to have to to kind of deal with. And then just basically gives Giannis options to go throw the ball. And again, a lot of them are kind of cross court and he's making really good reads. So not to minimize, obviously, what, what Giannis is yep. doing, um, but to to see him also just like, hey making passes that are like not that complicated and getting assists out of it. Like that's actually pretty fun too. I mean, I, I nearly, <laughs> I nearly like wet a tear, a tear nearly dropped that fell out of my eye when um, early in the third quarter last night, they sent, they ran like a simple little pick action off ball. Like Giannis was dribbling. I can't, I'm trying to picture it exactly, but I think it was Giannis was like maybe like his eighth assist or something like that. Um, and yeah, he was on the left wing and they sent that stagger for Middleton on the other yeah, side. Yeah. I mean, it was just like the, uh, somebody set a screen, in order to get Middleton open for a three and Giannis just threw it to him and he shot a three and he made it, <laughs> you know, like, like manna from heaven. Uh, like, you know, I, 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 I was actually here. Um, we'll see if he's listening. I need to need to DM him, but our friend, Justin, uh, Justin Johnson, AKA Justin Superbuck on Twitter, who's uh, produces awesome videos uh, for a living and a documentary filmmaker and also makes fun memes. Um, you know that, you know that, uh, that like Vince McMahon meme where he's like, um, like pass, he's like in a ring and like, he's like yeah. getting all hot and bothered and he passes out at the end or whatever. We need to do like a cut of that where it's like <laughs> offensive actions that generate three point looks for Chris Middleton or something like that or, or whatever, you know, Giannis, Giannis, whatever. But like, that's pretty much like the preseason, like feeling for, for the bucks right now. Um, like he so, needed yeah, a I triple mean, double and or I shouldn't say he needed a triple double, but like they were trying to get him a triple double and essentially they just decided, you know what, let's run action for Chris Middleton three times. And they ran Middleton off of screens and got him wide open for threes. And look at that. Giannis has a triple double. It was like, that is every Bucks fans dream of how offense should work. Like Giannis picking up easy sis, Chris Middleton shooting threes and the Bucks running action to get Giannis creating open threes for Chris Middleton. Like that, right. Is it, isn't that everyone's like kind of dream of how this should all work? Yeah. And it's funny cause you know, um, Kevin O'Connor had a, had a nice piece um, looking at just how the Bucks offense has changed even this, this, uh, this preseason and part of the thing he was talking about was just how they're going to run a lot more pick and roll. And, and, you know, under kid, they didn't run tons of pick and roll. Although Giannis was, was one of the most unique players in that the volume of both pick and rolls he ran as a ball handler and as a role man was, I think he was like, you know, the only guy who had more than X number of, of both last year. Um, but I think what's interesting is like, it, there, there are sort of two dimensions to, to the screening for on the perimeter. There's, it seems like they'll run more pick and rolls, but they also run just, you know, the guy has a ball and like, there's a screener, but he's not running a, he's not going to throw, you know, come to, to set a screen for the ball hander necessarily. So often the instinct of, you know, in the first kind of action 
uh, when they kind of get into the front court is that, you know, the big man who's at the top of the arc, he's not just immediately running over trying to set a screen for the ball handler who maybe is on the wing. He's trying to set a screen for a wing coming around from the, you know, towards the top of the key or whatever to get open for a three, like we saw with, with Middleton last night. So again, it's, it's like at least making the defense think about that. And one of the funny things that I saw last night was, I forget who it was. It was not Lopez. It wasn't Lopez. And I don't know if it was Henson, but it was one of the Bucks big men. And the, the Timberwolves, like it was, it may, it may have been in the second half or something like that. And they were so concerned with covering out on the Bucks big men. It was somebody, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Zeller or Wood or somebody, somebody who was like, not like known to be a three point shooter. Um, and they just like were concerned with like being out and covering that guy. And no, oh, it was Zeller. It was Zeller. Uh, I think it might have been Towns jumped out, out on him and Zella like pump faked on the right wing, drove and then had like an ugly finish that went in because it's Tyler Zeller yeah. and that's what he does. Ugly finishes. But like it was Zeller. Yeah. And I was like, he he has that kind of gravity. Like that's a real thing. And there there was another example where the guy didn't even get the ball, but they were like trying to deny um, the guy from being on the wing. And it's just that that kind of stuff. And again, I mean, you could say that's just stupid defense as well to, you know, not to just let Tyler Zeller shoot a corner three. Um, but you know, Zeller's actually hit some threes and again, we'll see, we'll see how the John Henson yeah. shooting threes experiment goes. Um, you know, I, I think that's obviously kind of something we need to watch. Like, you know, if guys like Henson and Thon and, and Christian Wood like have this green light to shoot threes, I mean, you know, uh, Thon and, and Wood have at least shot threes at the professional level at some point and made like above 30%. <laughs> yeah. Like Henson literally has made one in his career. So we don't, that, that could be an adventure. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see just like, like how much they actually do that, how much teams act, how teams actually defend that. Do they even, you know, do they literally just sit around daring the bucks to, to take those shots? Um, or, you know, again, just the fact that teams are so used to having to cover out now, do they actually kind of take that seriously? Um, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, th- there's, there's so many like good performances from last night and, and really the preseason <laughs> in general. I mean, like I was, I was just looking at the, the per 36 numbers for the bucks. You mentioned Giannis's per 36 numbers. I mean, Bledsoe, who seemed to have like a very kind of like sort of efficient, but like kind of quiet, like not really looking for stuff type of preseason. Here, here are Eric Bledsoe's preseason numbers per 36 minutes. 19.6 points, 6.9 assists, 10.1 rebounds. Where, where, the, hell, where the hell did Eric Bledsoe <laughs> become a, a, a 10 rebound? <laughs> I mean, I know he's not going to do that in, in real life, but, um, but, and then, you know, he's shooting uh, 55% on threes on six, six threes per game, you know, just, just stuff like this. And, one number that um, we always talk about. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess how many threes per thirty-six Chris Middleton is attempting right now? Last year it was four point nine. Mm. I mean, we always had our, we always had our like you know over under. Can Chris get to you know five or oh maybe he could get to six in some dream world? <laughs> um, where do you think Chris Middleton is in the preseason this year? Uh, let's go like uh, nine point one. Close eight point four. Pretty good. Ooh, man, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's Malcolm, that. Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's roughly doubled his rate. He's at seven point one per thirty six. Giannis is at almost five. Um, who else? Connaughton is at a Connaughton's at eleven per per thirty six, hitting forty five percent. Yeah, Brogdon uh, seven point one. Urson not a ton, four point seven. He, he's hitting seventy five percent of his threes. Um, <laughs> and then Brooke Lopez nine point six. Dante Divincenzo six point Tony Snell seven point five. So. Um, you know, again, like a lot of these, like make percentage, obviously are not going to carry over long term, but you get a lot of your point temp rates to, to hold up.
Brogdon's actually the guy I wanted to talk about. And I, I tweeted this out last night and I had an angry Virginia fan uh, somehow find this tweet. Uh, and he, he was very upset that I would dare say something like this. But I tweeted out, um, you know, thinking about Malcolm Brogdon's basketball life at, at, upper, at the upper level, he played four years under Tony Bennett. He played two years under Jason Kidd. Is this the most basketball freedom he's ever played with at like an upper level in like a real game? I'm sure in high school he got to do it a lot, but like just seeing Malcolm Brogdon take threes from the right wing five to six seconds into a shot clock, like is such a is such a, a cool thing to see, I think, just because we, we've we always joked about his release and how quickly he gets shots off. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't appear to hesitate on any of those. And just thinking about, you know, the, the idea that Malcolm Brogdon always has had, you know, just enough quickness to get to the basket. Like, if if you have to step out one more step on Malcolm Brogdon, like, all of those quickness things like that stuff goes a little bit away. Like it's not going to go all the way away, but you know, just pulling defenders out that much more. And like, we're just in a spot now where if you go under a screen on Malcolm Brogdon, he's going to shoot a three and he's been a, a good three point shooter since he's gotten to the league. Like if that's the case, um, you know, that's, that's a dangerous spot for teams to get. And then all of a sudden, okay, I went under it. Now I need an out of control closeout. And then Malcolm Brogdon has a drive. And then it starts one of those sequences that this Bucks team has, uh, grown accustomed to in just a matter of weeks of, you know, starting to make extra passes, a couple extra swings, get to the right spots and uh, either get an open three or get another drive. And, uh, you know, it, like it, it is just, it's kind of, it, it kind of takes your breath away thinking about this offense and, and kind of what they, what they were last night uh, because you couldn't even imagine, even if, even if the Bucks had shot, let's see, they were just on just over fifty percent uh, with twenty five of forty eight. Like, just think if they would have shot fifty two percent from three last year, they would have made what like ten threes, uh, fourteen threes, maybe. Like, it, it's just like it's a it's a totally different world and. It's uh, to me, it it was really interesting to watch Malcolm Brogdon because it just felt like, you know, he's he's a guy that may benefit from it. Um, he, we've talked about uh, earlier this week, we talked about like, you know, maybe it won't work out so well for him to be with the starters. But, you know, I, just I think playing in the system overall is is going to help him out tremendously because it's going to make him. All of the the question marks you have about him, all of the little things that kind of get caught up with him, where you know maybe he's not quick enough, maybe he doesn't shoot quick enough, maybe he's not quite good enough. Like all those things kind of dissipate as he is able to, uh, you know, kind of work in this offense. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, I was going to say one other thing I want to talk about was rotations a little bit. We we kind of started it before we got derailed on our Christian Wood stuff, um, but. Uh, so Malcolm Brogdon started the game. He exited with seven eighteen left in the first quarter. Ursan entered for him. So then you had the like jumbo package of uh, 
Giannis at small forward, Ursan a power forward, Lopez at uh, center, then at 537, Henson entered for Lopez. And I'm not 100% sure that was what they'll normally do uh, because Lopez had early foul trouble. Um, so maybe that's real, maybe that's not. And then DiVincenzo entered for Giannis with 453 left in the first quarter. Uh, so then at that point, you had a lineup of Henson, Ilyasova, uh, Middleton, DiVincenzo, Bledsoe. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I, I just think there's going to be, I, there's going to be a lot of really interesting lineups. And I wasn't quite sure that the jumbo package was going to play into this quite as much as it did. Um, but it does appear to be like, that is that, that looks to be, uh, you know, uh, a lineup that Mike Boonholzer is going to use in the first quarter. Cause we've seen it across all of these preseason games where that's one of the first subs is Ilya Silva entering uh, and then going to that jumbo lineup. Yeah. And, and just to kind of tie it out. So Brogdon actually then came in for blood. So at the five minute mark, so kind of the, I would say that kind of the, you know, there were obviously there's sort of continual changes every couple of minutes, but you had sort of this evolution from, you know, the blood. So Brogdon starters to a Brogdon, DiVincenzo, Middleton, Ursan Henson, combination um not that long not that long after that um and then they actually went back to the jumbo lineup um at the 230 mark of the first when Giannis came in for Chris so you went then you had um Giannis Ersan Henson DiVincenzo Brogdon so I think the really encouraging thing for me and this is kind of thing we talked about during the Brogdon discussion was you know one of the reasons I I don't like starting Brogdon is because then it seems to like force you to have to play more or play Matthew Delvadova. But I was really encouraged last night because even though it's harder to stagger them, you know, you kind of alluded to it like, well, you could take Brogdon out the eight minute mark and that's basically exactly what they did. And then they, you know, essentially Delhi didn't play till the fourth quarter. So I think that's, that's actually a really encouraging thing. And if you can solve the having to play Delhi issue, um, because again, like (laughs) Delhi just doesn't, he just doesn't look, you know, I mean, he didn't make, I mean, if he makes a yeah, if he makes a couple threes last night, then maybe you feel a little different about him. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if you can stagger Brogdon and Bledsoe, so those guys are getting all your point guard minutes, then then I'm certainly happy because um, you know I think that's where the strength of uh, of the backcourt is, you know, or at least from the point guard position is playing those two guys. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's it's interesting that that the jumbo you know lineups with with Urson and Giannis uh, in a center have continued. Um, and I don't know, we we don't have lineup data for preseason, but you know certainly. <laughs> It doesn't seem to be causing any issues. Um, just some other some other kind of lineup notes that I took while I was watching the game. So um, Wood came in for Henson late in the first quarter, um, and then Snell came in for Urson at the start of the second. So I think if, if I, my notes are correct, I think you had Giannis and Wood together early in the second quarter briefly. Um, and um, and so again, there's lots of just variations they're doing right now. And again, we'll see kind of what's real and what's not. Um, obviously, I think they probably, if anything, probably played a, a longer rotation maybe last night. I mean, even before the blot, um, than than they might during a regular game. But but we'll see, right? I mean, I, this is obviously kind of new territory with with Budenholzer. Um, some other things that um, that I liked uh, just watching the game last night. We talked about those kind of quick screens up top to get guys um, open for threes. Um, you know, Giannis has been like, I think this is part of the leadership thing, like trying to give confidence to to players, especially young players. He's done that for a couple of years now, right? I mean, we think back to the way he embraced Thon and, and really encouraged Thon. Um, you know, he's he's really spoken highly of Dante DiVincenzo as well. And obviously, um, you know, we've talked about his his shooting struggles. Uh, but it was it was kind of nice to see a second quarter. There was that moment where 
you know, late in the clock, Giannis got a kick out. He could have taken it and done something with it. Instead, he kind of gave a quick pass to the corner for Dante, who was open for a three, um, and he made the three. So it was not secret. Um, and uh, so, that, so that was kind of that was nice to see. And, and one thing that we've been seeing a lot of is these kind of like uh, like middle pick and rolls, where um, you know you you end up you know again like a lot of teams times teams are having to kind of collapse a bit because of you know whether it's Giannis or Lopez or whoever is is rolling down the lane has enough gravity to um, to draw some attention. And you know last night there was one play I remember in particular, but we've seen it a lot. And, and again, not that this is some like crazy play that doesn't happen all the time in the NBA, but normally it's happened against the Bucks, not for the Bucks. Um, <laughs> there was a play where Bledsoe is dribbling in from the right side. He gets screened. Bledsoe is dribbling kind of from the right side a little bit. Roll man going down the middle and the defense has to collapse from the weak side to cover the roll man. And you get the, the pass out to the far corner, the opposite corner for for an open three, right? And that's the that's the play we saw. You know, the Bucks get savaged on um, repeatedly for corner threes. <laughs> um, kind of nice to be on the other side of that for a change. Yeah, and it was funny too. After the game, we talked to Eric Bledsoe, and I had asked about the defense, and it was just like, you know, can you really get a good read with all of these, with all of these? you know, blowouts you guys have had, like, do you get a good feel for how you guys are doing defensively? And he's like, you know, man, like sometimes offense is, is your best defense. Like he's like, so for so many years, we just kind of felt the, the draining power of like getting threes hit on you all the time. <laughs> he said it a little bit more eloquently, but he, it was just like he was explaining that, you know, it, it's draining to see three after three go in. And that's kind of exactly what you're talking about there, that, you know, it's nice to be on that side of it for once as, as this Bucks team starts to shoot more threes. But, you know, that can kind of take it out of another team to run their scheme and then all of a sudden get hit with one of those. So, um I would agree. It is nice to be on that side of it. The other thing I was going to say about DiVincenzo um, was I, I tried to tweet it out and I'm not sure I can explain it in 280 characters and I'm not sure I can explain it here. But with DiVincenzo, I think the 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 concerns about his shooting are going to continue until they don't. Uh, like Once he proves that he can shoot, that like that's great. But it does feel like both him and Tony Snell are low usage shooting guards. And that's probably going to be what their roles are in the NBA. Um, but with DiVincenzo, the thing that's interesting is I feel like he is the, he's the Mike Boonholzer model of a, a low usage shooting guard where he might not be a knockdown shooter. He might not shoot 40%, but you know, if he's open, he'll shoot it. But then also he can pass, he can shoot, he can dribble a little bit. Like he can do a little bit of everything while Tony Snell was the Jason kid model of a a low usage shooting guard in that, you know, kid wasn't going to have his shooting guards doing a whole lot. Um, like his low usage shooting guard didn't need to dribble and didn't need to try to make any plays and didn't need to keep the offense moving. Like he legitimately just needed to stand in the corner and hit 40% of his threes. And Tony Snell was great at that. <laughs> he did that very well. And I, I have no idea what Dante DiVincenzo's future as an NBA player holds, but it does appear like whether or not he's the guy for that role, like, that is pretty much always going to be the role of, you know, Mike Boonholzer's low usage shooting guard is that 
that's what he wants him to do is that he wants him to be able to keep the offense moving. He wants to be able, him to be able to make a drive every once in a while. He wants him to be able to make a pass. And if he's open, he wants him to be able to shoot it. Yeah. And he's certainly one of those guys like, you know, if, if DiVincenzo struggles to shoot for an extended period, like is he really going to do enough otherwise that he doesn't lose minutes to other guys? Right. Cause there's a lot of guys um, in the backcourt in yep. particular, maybe not guys who have the same sort of type of ball handling, you know, Sterling Brown missed the first game, missed the scrimmage with an injury. Um, you know, again, like we'd love to obviously see him in the mix, especially for what he brings defensively um, some of the toughness. Um, by the way, we did see another, like, um, another example last night where like DiVincenzo drove to the rim and just sort of like seemed like his arms were too short to finish over, <laughs> over contact. Yeah. But we also saw like a man sized rebound. Uh, <laughs> you remember that, you remember that rebound where he went flying yep. uh, to grab like a rebound along the baseline. So he's again, just doing stuff. The weirdness of Dante DiVincenzo continues. One other question. Um, we mentioned that the defense actually, um, you know, was, was, uh, I guess I once place had it ninth, the other 10th. Um, so they finished 10th in defensive rating. And again, like we may say that, you know, okay, like, well, they didn't play good teams. Um, yeah, but I mean, they played one game obviously without, you know, their good players and, um, you know, the Bucks always kind of play these same teams in the preseason. So it's not like they normally play the Warriors in the preseason or something. Um, and obviously yeah. a lot of times, you know, for across the league, it's kind of hard, right? It's super noisy sample size in the preseason. Um, and again, the Bucks also didn't play any of these foreign teams that, that a lot of teams played. So it's not like they played the Beijing Ducks or something like that. Um, last night, Bucks actually offensive rating was 124. So it actually was not like a record breaking offensive rating night or anything like that. It was really good. Um, but it was actually, I think they were about the same <laughs> And then maybe the maybe in the maybe in the first Timberwolves game or, or I think they might have been in the same ballpark actually offensive rating wise defensively one hundred five point six which is actually better than they were last year so even though they gave up a ton of raw points last night it was really largely a pace kind of issue last night um, so yeah defensively I mean the Bucks obviously have been you know like the numbers are fine um, I mean do you have any thoughts on on kind of what you've seen from them so far like do you feel differently about what you're expecting from them this season I mean I, I don't know I. I kind of have a hard time reading that much into what we've seen defensively, just because like philosophically, as, as you wrote at The Athletic, um, it's not like they're doing something miles different. Um, they're really just more consistently kind of zone dropping. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, are, do, you, do, you, do you feel like that you're very bullish on the Bucks defense or are you kind of more wait and see at this point? I think I'm still more wait and see. And, and I think part of the problem is the NBA's uh, insistence on calling freedom of movement uh, fouls, which is great and I think can open up offense and do all those things. Like, I just don't know that like I've felt I've felt a lot of times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I I'm really in the flow of a game here. Like it, there's just been so many whistles. And uh, obviously that's something I wrote about at the athletic as well is that, you know, the bucks uh, or excuse me, Mike Boonholzer's teams for years now have been very low on, on foul rates. And that's something that Greg Popovich's teams have always done in San Antonio. So obviously something that he's taken from them. Um, so for me, that's one thing I think where I'm a, I'm a little bit more encouraged is that, um, with Brooke Lopez and I think even Giannis to some extent, I feel like those two, when they come over uh, as help defenders, aren't falling as much. And Brooke Lopez has the advantage of one, he's probably likely not moving all that large of a distance. Like he's not flying over because he's so big, but he is able to just put his hands up and make sure that they're, they're back and that he's following verticality. And well, he's still a mountain of a man when he does that, whether or not he's like jumping at you, uh, 
as a defender offensively, you're going to kind of be like, Oh, there's this huge dude in my way. I'm going to have to change my shot somehow. So um, he got in a little bit of foul trouble last night, obviously, but I think that is one thing that should help the defense is they fouled all the time under Jason Kidd, And I I don't think that'll be the case under Mike Boonholzer. So uh, I thought, I think that's notable. Um, But as far as, you know, uh, a redone defense, everything changed. Like I didn't ever think that was going to happen. And I know as soon as Boonholzer got mentioned as a candidate, that was one thing that that kind of stuck out to me was that, you know, if you're looking for the Bucks defense to be redone, Mike Boonholzer isn't the guy for that job. Like if you wanted a brand new defense that wasn't going to happen and that hasn't happened, I don't think uh, it is a brand new defense, but it, it's a tweaked defense. Um, so for me, I'm still in a, a wait and see kind of spot, but I do think overall they're going to do things a little bit smarter. I don't I don't think they're going to be quite as aggressive on some of their pick and roll coverages, both because Budenholzer won't do that and because I think if you play Brooke Lopez 25 minutes a night, you just can't yeah. do that. Um, and then I think the other thing is this team under Budenholzer, and one thing that he's emphasized is that this team will, under him, wh- whether or not they can catch on to it right away, um, they will change their game plan as the game goes on. They will make adjustments. They will have very tailored and specific plans for certain players, certain teams, like all of those things will change a little bit. And, you know, if there's if there's one kind of flaw in a quote unquote system, either offensively or defensively, like if you are extremely committed to that system, if a team can exploit it in the first quarter, they're going to be be able to exploit it in the fourth quarter. Like uh, you have to make those adjustments, you have to make those changes. So I think that part will be better under Budenholzer, but I, I still want to wait and see a little bit on, on the overall system and kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, in my sort of simple brain, and I'm not as much of an X's and O's guy as like you or, or others, um, or like our friend Dean or something. But like I kind of think defensive, like philosophically, it's there's almost like three three kind of like three buckets. Maybe they're sort of like the um, the kind of switch everything type type schemes, which, um, you know, the Rockets would be kind of the I don't I don't know, maybe the only kind of examples of like of like the team that's just like completely dedicated to switching everything. Yeah. Um, then there's sort of like the which in a lot of ways is like conservative in the sense that it doesn't require it does. It's the whole idea is you're not double teaming, really. You're just always basically having one guy defending one, you know, one player. And 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 then there's kind of the middle ground, which I think was where the Bucks are now, which is like kind of the more conservative zone drop, which, as you said, is largely also due to the bucks playing bigger. Um, so you, you really can't play yeah. that aggressively. You don't want to switch that much. Um, and then kind of the other side, which was, you know, sort of, especially early Jason Kidd, which is sort of this extreme, you know, hedging to the, to the, um, the level of the, the screener, um, you know, coming way out with your big men. And, and obviously we saw that the results of that were, were pretty destructive. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like, you know, it definitely like it's we we I would say we've moved sort of from that extreme bucket into kind of the middle middle bucket, which is, you know, probably pretty pretty <laughs> yeah. vanilla. Um, and I think it's just a matter of seeing like how well do you execute it? Because I mean, even if regardless of what scheme you play, I mean, you still have to work really hard. <laughs> you still have to have it good individual defenders. Um, you know, defensive rebounding has been probably the biggest weakness we've seen from the Bucks in the preseason. They're but near the bottom of the league as per usual there. Um, but they are also third in opponent effective field goal percentage, which again can be very noisy. You know, we talked about the bulls game. They gave up a lot of threes and bulls just didn't make any, um, but we'll kind of see um, a couple other notes on that. Uh, 
I thought Brooke Lopez gave a good example. I mean, Towns is very frustrated last night. He had some foul trouble zone, only two of nine from the field. He obviously worked the Bucks in the game last week. Um, but I thought Lopez's size and bulk um, was was actually it was a good display of that. Now, Towns is a guy who can go out and, and hurt you from three, which tactically you probably should try to do more against a guy like Lopez who wants to you know not run around the perimeter but um but I thought for for you know what we saw today it's sort of an example right and I'm really curious to see when they play the Sixers you know can Lopez give them more of a, a you know more of that bulky type body that they just didn't have in the last couple of years and again not that Lopez is yep. some all-world defender or something like that but he is an enormous human being and that tends to help <laughs> if you're guarding other enormous human beings. So just giving the bucks more flexibility to play different styles, I think things should be helpful. So anyway, I think that's, is that it? Have we, have we, have we, I think, I think celebrated that's it. the bucks ridiculous 143 point win in the final preseason game enough. We did. I think we're ready for the regular season, Eric. I think so. We also managed to have an argument, which we rarely do. So it's been a very eventful Saturday morning. So uh, we will have this. Guy. I'm really, I'm really glad it was about Christian Wood, though. That I feel like that's very true <laughs> to my brand. <laughs> it is very true to your brand. Very on brand for you uh, for this Saturday morning. All right, uh, we will throw this up here in the next little while, uh, and then you will have this, and you can uh, think about that. We're going to do some over-unders as the week goes on. Um, I believe I, I reached out to Dean. I think we're going to talk to Dean next week as well. So we will have uh, Mr. At All The Bucks on Twitter on with us uh, to talk some X's and O's and, you know, maybe we'll have a better feel for rotations and defense and all those things. So we'll talk to him as well. And we will have real NBA basketball. None of this fake stuff anymore. We'll have real NBA basketball. We can't wait. Hopefully you guys are excited as well. So for Frank, man, I'm Eric name. This has been lockdown bucks. We'll talk to you guys later.